Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, joined as always by my brother Ian, and we are here to intro you to the return of sports. Ian, what's going on, buddy? We are back. Bunch of things happening in the world of sports right now. Uh, got baseball shaping up and getting going. Also got the uh, the NBA is on its way as well. Uh, NHL. It's it's an exciting time. We can finally look at weekends and say that is a great sports weekend. Haven't been able to do that in three years. That's how long it feels. Well, and everything's going to be going together. It's going to be really interesting and in, uh, and how we manage our time with life, family, and the thing you know, that my we love. Going to be happy with me. I'm going to tell no, you that right now. No, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot of recording, and I, I hate recording sports, but it's going to have to. It's going to have to happen. So, a lot of a lot of things are going on. You, you so mentioned there. There is before you get going. There is the biggest news of the day is what you, when we send out the clip on on IG. Oh, you're going to get to see Sean in his new glasses. Big bro has glasses. He looks smarter. He's got it together, man. Like that is the biggest news of the day. We can start stop stop the podcast right now. You want to stop him at the glasses? That's all. That's all they need. You know, it's it's fun. I went to pick him up today. Obviously, got uh, went to the eye doctor two two weeks ago um, during COVID. Been looking at the computer screen a lot more, as you, as you can probably imagine, and then doing podcasting and editing and things like that. And was just having a tough go. And uh, she asked if when the last time I got my eyes checked was it was ten years ago. She's like, "Dude, you need glasses." So yes, this is going to help you do better at analyzing sports. So finally, you'll be at my level. I'm, yeah, okay. I'm excited. Okay, well, let's get into the sports. So there's a lot of stuff going on. The crazy was Chica in Arizona just flat out quitting before um, before the, this, their season kicks off. There's obviously a lot that's going to come of that one, so I, let's leave that one alone. Um, well, well, I will say one thing, and then I promise we can move on. No, don't, get no, no, this is a the, sports the, podcast. The, the thing about Chica is that the writing was on the wall when they reengaged with Taylor Hall, I believe a week ago. Um, a week or 10 days ago, they re-engaged Taylor Hall on contract extensions and things like that, pending UFA in, in uh, what was supposed to be this summer. He's a pending UFA. So they re-engaged him, and Chaika was not involved in those discussions. And when, as soon as I saw that, you had to think the writing was on the wall. I think the other thing, too, is that you know we, we all embrace the, the, the Sam Hinkie, the John Chaika, the, the money ball sort of idea where, hey, let's trade a bunch of guys, let's bring in young players and assets, and we'll build it that way. Eventually, eventually those assets need to turn into players. And so far, that hasn't really worked out. Uh, they do have some keepers, you know, and they've gone out and signed guys like, you know, in free agency, made trades for Phil Kessel. Wasn't working. It's time for a change. Yeah. And it was fun. Normally, you just get like, you didn't do a good enough job. You're fired. But, you know, they were competitive. He obviously went all in on the Taylor Hall thing. There's the writing on the wall. There's New a two, ownership. The it's two things is, weird, is, yeah. is that there's a big rift between him and ownership. We were talking to one of our brothers today. He mentioned that there could be something about violating some prospect rules and regulations. I don't. I didn't read anything about that yet. So, again, I want to put that to the side. It could be a yeah, bigger story later on. That. Yeah, we had the EPL season come to a close today. Um, you know, a team that is near and dear to our heart, Leeds United, is getting promoted to the EPL and is getting promoted to the premiership next year. So we're very excited about that. The two teams that, well, Tottenham didn't make champions league, but Chelsea did. Thank and, you, Jose Mourinho. And, yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, you know, Chelsea's got Timo Werner coming in to, to be their main striker. Really excited about that. But there is one piece of news that I know you want to talk about. And it's a little segment that we've kind of toyed with, but this is something that we need to do a deeper dive into what we call this. Um, what did we say it was going to be? We were just talking about before. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. So for the first official, hear me out, Ian, what happened in the world of sports that you need to get off your chest? So here's the thing. Uh, you know, there are certain things that happen where you really need to address them and just get them off your chest in order for you to feel better. And this was one of those moments that I needed to get off my chest. Now I will say me needing to vent about stuff happens more frequently than than, than legit than why we have a podcast. So, you know, there are for all those people that are listening that really know me, um, I am venting often. So this could be something that happens often, but it's something I got to address. So yesterday there was a massive trade in the NFL where star safety, all pro safety, Jamal Adams was sent from the New York Jets to the Seattle Seahawks. The trade 
itself was the package that the Jets got back for Adams was massive. It was, they got a first round pick in 2021, 2022, a 2021 third rounder and veteran safety, Bradley McDougald, who's solid in return. Seattle gets all pro safety Adams and they get a fourth rounder in 2022. So here's what I need to get off my chest. I got a lot of smart guys on Twitter that are bashing the Seahawks for making this move because they feel that a, the jets got more for Adams than let's say the Raiders got for Khalil Mack and that safeties typically aren't a position that impacts the game at a high level. Yes. So fine. Did the Seahawks I'm not arguing over- one way or another. Did yet. the Seahawks overpay? Maybe. I would say probably. Hold on. Hold on. I didn't. <laughs> when I said yes, I was just saying like this is what people are saying on Twitter. Yes. I'm not voicing. No, no, no. My I'm opinion. not coming. I'm not okay, coming. Good. At you. My venting is to continue. On continue. My continue. Is continue. Yeah. The the Adams trade is getting bashed for those two reasons. So I want to I want to address that right now. Jamal Adams coming out of college was maybe one of the better defensive players we've seen come out in the draft in quite a while. The guys that are coming to mind for me, um, Chase Young types, maybe Roquan Smith, Devin White, guys like that. The one thing I will say about Adams, anyone that's classifying him as a safety and maybe he doesn't affect the game, frankly, that's horseshit because Jamal Adams isn't just a safety. He plays linebacker. He yeah. plays defensive end. He drops into coverage. He, he's not a typical safety. And I stole this from the ringer. And this is from Robert Mays. He lined up in nearly every defensive position for the Jets last season and finished with 13 quarterback hits, seven pass breakups, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. According to Pro Football Focus, Adam tallied, Adams tallied 23 disrupted dropbacks on just 90 pass rush snaps, making him by far the most disruptive pass rusher in the NFL on a per-play basis. Now, who did Seattle trade for last year that they have not re-signed? Jadavion Clowney. Correct. What does Jadavion Clowney do better than a fair amount of the league? Make everything a disaster. Rush the passer. Exactly. Just okay. make a mess. Yeah. Adams is one of the best safeties we have at that. So saying that he is just a safety is just being dishonest. It's okay. being dishonest. And they brought Adams in to mop up some linebacker with Bobby Wagner to play safety in the Cam Chancellor role, and to rush the passer like an end, okay? Did Seattle overpay? Maybe. But to pay this guy $15 million a year, which is only is less than a million more than someone like Eddie Jackson got with Chicago, is not out of the realm of craziness. Now, the main reason why this got to me is because of who traded Adams in the first place. I understand that the New York Jets are awful. And they are not in a position to have any good players on their roster. And if someone comes and overpays for one of those players, you have to take it. No matter, It doesn't matter if they're your best player. Them trading Adams is not necessarily a problem. Them spouting out nonsense on Twitter about how they dominated Seahawks GM John Schneider is a completely different discussion. Because the Jets have shown absolutely zero in terms of competence over the last decade. Why am I trusting? Now, I hate to play the game of, oh, who cares about draft picks? Because well, it goes you're going to blow them anyway. To, it goes to your tune. We were talking about Vince. It's like, okay, they get all these draft picks, but it's incompetent ownership, incompetent management that's going to be making from the top. So, so where do you think that that's going to end up? So wh- wh- what do those draft picks mean? What do those draft picks mean? And, and we, are, we already have an issue of overvaluing draft picks in the NFL, right? If you look at the Seahawks last every year for Trump picks, and not including sport. Jordan Brooks this year, because we don't know, you're looking at LJ Collier and you're looking at Rashad Penny, neither of whom are impact players in the least. You change that to the Jets side, the last good player they drafted, Quinn and Williams, we don't know yet, was Jamal Adams. So don't give me this draft, oh, look at this draft pick capital. You are incompetent until you decide that winning in culture matters, which starts by firing Adam Gase, until you decide that that's a priority, shut your mouth, Take your draft picks and kindly go blow them. And I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. You traded one of the best young players in football, period. I don't care what side of the ball. Okay. If you don't nail these picks, if you don't nail these picks, you shouldn't have a franchise. And this starts at the top with Woody Johnson. Joe Douglas, we don't know yet. He's only been on the job a year. 
Adam Gase is a disaster. That organization is a disaster. You don't win any trade. You don't win any free agent signing because your existence is a detriment to your fans. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. So you lose every trade. You good? Now I'm, I feel better. Okay, perfect. All the Jets fans out there, I'm, I, you know what? I don't know what, this, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so I'm going to tell you. Okay, you, it is impossible, impossible to say who won this trade. You can't. Normally, the best player in the deal is what lets you win the trade. So at, at its core, right now, the only play, the best, the two, there's only two players in this deal. The Seahawks got Jamal Adams. That, right now, that's what you want. They're going for a title. The Jets are not. It's your job as a franchise if you're going to move an asset that has been extremely vocal about not wanting to be there. If you're going to, which kind of gives, lets you start your negotiations off from a point with less leverage. It's like this. By the way, we can't blame him for. Gase has a history of this. He does this to star players. I am not. He just did it to Le'Veon Bell last year after they just signed him. So I'm not, again, I'm not arguing this. My point is, at the surface, the Jets got a good return really for Jamal good return. Adams in mm-hmm. given the circumstance yep. given and given what that what, what it's all about yes if you're going to win the trade you have to draft properly right or use those picks to acquire assets that help your team that's the only way that this works the the Adams piece I get it he's what 25 or 26 years old he's already one Adam. of the best safeties in football he play he's very versatile plays all over the field Pete Carroll's going to love having that guy on his team great awesome perfect but the Jets did really well here. They did really well. Like you, you know who the best defensive back coach in the entire league is? I don't. It's Pete Carroll. Perfect. Well, it, no one gets more out of gets, no but no one gets more out of defensive backs than Pete Carroll. I think and listen, you get the best player available, you make that deal. Yeah, it's kind of a Khalil Mack Hall, but that's and I'm not I'm not going to sit here. I know we argued about this last night. I'm not going to argue Mac versus Adams. To me, Mac has has more impact directly on the outcome of every, of every single sure. snap because he's closer to the ball. That doesn't make Adams less valuable; it just makes him different. They now we praised. Impacts. To be fair, we praised the Raiders for the haul they got for Mac, even though they shouldn't have traded him in the first place. Agreed. We and praised we, them for the haul they got. You know who those players turned into? Josh Jacobs and Damon Arnett. Would you rather have Khalil Mack or those players? Well, we don't know the, yet. The dra- you rather have Khalil Mack. The, the well, yeah, on, picks, at the surface, the yes. Don't overvalue the draft picks because, ooh, first-round picks sound sexy. That's not how this works. Those picks are going to be in the late 20s, and this organization has shown that they cannot they cannot execute. No, I, I agree with you. And they don't. They, there's a massive divide between their players. Could have been management. five first-round picks. I wouldn't have felt any different. So to, this is where I'd end this here. And good first segment. Glad we got it all heated because then we can go into baseball, which is something I know you love talking about. But this is, if you want to be on the, you, there is no side here where the, the Jets fleece the Seahawks or the Seahawks fleece the Jets. This is a good trade for both sides. It might be a little overpay, but that's what you do when you're getting the best player. That's the whole point. I hate this. It's like, oh, they gave, why'd they have to throw in like a third round pick or a fourth round pick? You're getting Jamal Adams. Like, stop. So One last note. One last sure. note before we move on. I promise sure. I'll let it go. No, it's the go. last part of the venting that matters. The Seahawks, since the dismantling of the Legion of Boom, which was Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner a little bit, but he stinks. Sure. Okay. When that whole thing went south, it looked like Seattle was going to try and retool or rebuild on the fly knowing that they had the second or third best quarterback in the league in his prime. Yes. This shows a commitment to building more title opportunities for Russell Wilson. Makes them a lot less flexible though. That's but that's okay because what it does, it shows a, because they're, they still have cap space. Even when they sign Adams, that was going to be my question. That was going to be my question. They still do. So the, the key here is you're building around Russell Wilson. You're, build, you're showing a willingness to build around Russell Wilson. Right. That's the piece that matters. Yes. That's yeah. the piece that matters. Not anything else. Because I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, if the Jets turn those players into, unless they, they turn those players into instant guys that starters. they slide in their lineup, yep. Yep. starters, then this is an abomination. And we don't know if Joe Douglas can do that, but I know for a damn fact that Adam Gase can't. Well, we, do you want, and until in, in you this, remove him, you're not serious about winning or in culture. This, in this case, you want as many bullets in the chamber. Tough analogy. Don't, but it's, don't it's disagree. The way it works. So, don't disagree. That's good. Um, 
glad you got, were able to get that off your chest, Ian. I'm good now. Um, let's move on to the main topic. Baseball's back, baby. This summer, the summer campaign is underway. Summer camp concluded, and the first game, first pitch, was last Thursday between the New York Yankees and the Washington Nationals, where the Yankees won a very lackluster event that ended in a rain delay in, in five innings. So, baseball's underway. To people who... There's been a lot to follow. It's been a lot. So I'm just going to give you a quick recap of what baseball is operating with. Right now, baseball is going to be playing 60 games in 66 days. I repeat, 66 games in 66 days. They will be for the most... 60 games in 66 days. My apologies. 60 games in 66 days. I knew you meant. Yeah. For the most part, they're going to be playing in their home stadiums. Obviously, we had some news that came up since our last podcast about the Blue Jays. At first, they were in Toronto. Then they're playing at the Pirates Stadium. Then they're looking at Camden Yards. They finally... Then they were playing every game on the road. Now they've settled on Buffalo. So they'll be playing in Buffalo. So there's going to be a lot of travel, which obviously you and I feel the same way about this. We have absolutely zero faith in baseball to actually do this properly. So enjoy the next two weeks while it lasts before this gets shut down. But while it's not getting shut down, it is all... All your games, all 60 games, you will play 40 against your own division. So 10 against each team. And then you will only play your geographic counterpart in interleague. So for example, the AL will play 40 games against the AL East, will play 40 games against the AL East, and then 20 games against the NL East. There is a universal DH rule, and the trade deadline is August 31st. Ian, we've talked about the return to play. I don't want to get into what we like and don't like about it. We've already done that. You watched a little baseball this weekend. What was your feeling? How did it feel to watch baseball? And, and I, more specifically, without any fans. So I want to preface this by saying I'm thrilled that sports is coming back. It, it's a huge part of my life, your life, all of our lives. It's a reason that we're doing this. It's the reason that, you know, it's one of the things that we all love the most. And But it was weird. It was really weird. You know, uh, cracks off the bat seem louder um, the, the game feels longer. The lulls in between pitches feel like they're, you know, minutes, not seconds. It just feels now this, this to me, now this is another topic for another day, but this feels like a good opportunity for and the MLB to really try and implement speeding up the game and yeah, really the- try and really try and get creative with how they do that. Because the, I can tell you right now, the viewing experience right now out of 10 is maybe a four. Can now, I, I want to, I want to give people credit where it's due and I don't let you jump in. The, yep. the people that are that are trying to put this on, considering how fast it was put together, they deserve a ton of credit for the effort that's gone into it. I understand that this is impossible. And in baseball, it's even harder because the fans are such an integral part of the game in baseball. So it's really tricky. I think the viewing experience has been has been tough. It's maybe not their fault, just the circumstances. I don't like some of the gimmicks. You know, the, the cardboard cutouts and the, and the CGI fans and all that stuff. Like, you know, I was listening to Tim and Sid the other day, and I agree with, with Sid in this, is we're in a pandemic. Just live it. I know in baseball, the viewing experience is way more difficult with that because with all the, the camera cuts that you get, as soon as the bat leaves, like when you're just looking at pitcher and batter, it's not the end of the world. As soon as it leaves the bat, they then pan to the entire stadium, which does not happen in any other sport. So there's ways that you can make it. I'm fine with it. I actually... Maybe it's because the Blue Jays were playing in Tampa and they don't have any fans there anyways. It didn't feel that weird to me. Um, I, I, it's going to be difficult. And, and I heard a lot of people complaining about this is just people just, and I noticed this when I watched the Red Sox feed of the Blue Jay uh, preseason game. And they just talk the whole time. Like, shut up. Just let me watch baseball. And I commend Buck and um, Shulman. and Shulman today. They just let like they just let you kind of enjoy the baseball. Like they wouldn't talk for thirty seconds and just let you watch the baseball. I'm okay with that. Um, so to me, it wasn't all that weird. I did enjoy in basketball. Felt we watched a bit of that Raptor game. That felt more organic. You know, I I, I can't imagine how difficult it is for them when sight lines are completely different and, and all that kind of stuff. And especially in a sport like basketball, if well, you ever played in a practice facility, that I, I organization, that. the NBA has been ahead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know, and we can talk about Lou Will a little bit later on. But, um, but to me, you know what? I I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. But to your point, to your point, it is four thirty Eastern in when we're filming this podcast. The Blue Jays Rays game started at one and is still not over. 
it's still not over. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I understand we're trying to, you know, we can get into why baseball struggling with new viewers and younger viewers and, and, you know, maybe minority viewers and things like that. And, you know, that, that's a topic for another day, but, but yep. at the end of the day, this shit's taking too long. It's taking too long. Well, and so I, I'm honestly wondering if they should have made the game seven innings. Oh, it's, it's way too long, but it's too long. They, they already going to have, an adjusted season because of the totals. That's one of my big storylines that we're going to touch on later is, is just the 60 games and, and what that means for, for, uh, for baseball and for the schedule. But, you know, for me, I, I know that you probably found it, thought it was weird. Um, I sat down start to finish or until we started this podcast watching the Toronto and Tampa Bay uh, rubber match today. And I didn't really notice a big difference. Now, again, could be the Tampa thing, but to me, I didn't notice a big difference. So to outline where we're going to go with this podcast, Ian, is we're going to, I'm going to do a quick game with you called Where Are They Now? Because it's been a while since we've talked baseball. We're going to do an AL East preview where we, where we talk about the five teams in the AL East because that's what's most important. We're going to have a few storylines that are really intriguing to us, and then we're going to pick our awards and then sign off this podcast. So are you ready for the game, where are they now? I, I'm going to tell everyone right now. I'm not going to be good at this. I if put it, a few different sport, different sport, no problem. I put a few softballs in there, and uh, just ironically, the first three played for the Yankees last year. Go so, ahead, no cheating. Uh, the first one is Edwin Encarnacion. Was was Seattle for a bit last year? Then he was traded again to Tampa. Then got cut and went to New York. He did go to New York. Is he somewhere like the White Sox? He is a White Sox. You got one. Come on. Let's go. Second. That was a softball? That's a softball. Dylan Batances. Oh, God. I have no clue. You don't know? Are you kidding me? Oh, it's Uh, Batances. Yeah, he hasn't played, though. I feel like I haven't seen that guy play in like two years. Um, He must have got paid. He went to the New York Mets. Never would have guessed that. They stink. I'm going to cut this down. Didi Gregorius. Cincinnati? And if you don't know, Philly. Good try. Ah, oh, I knew it was a red team. Um, this is my hardest one. I like one. Didi. I got two left. This is my hardest one. Matt Kemp. He's out of the league, isn't he? He is in the league. He's still in the league? He is in the league. Oh, shit. I have no idea. I got one right. That's all I care about. Colorado. And the last one. Sure. The last one. Knowing Kemp, though, he's going to go like 35 and 110. And no one's paying attention. And And he's playing in Colorado, so he hits a double and it's a homer. Last one, Ian. Mookie Betts. You're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So that leads us into our AL East preview. Ian, I want to start with the Toronto Blue Jays. I know that we all know that they are my team, but they are also the team for most of the listeners that we have at the moment. So I want to give you the floor to talk about what you expect from the Toronto Blue Jays this season. Where you And for each team, we're going to say where we think they're going to finish in the division. So what, here's what I'll say about the Jays. I, I, I haven't been a Shapiro and Atkins fan. I think... <laughs> that's putting it lightly. I think that they've led the fan base down a path that may have been necessary, but that was never really disclosed to them. They sort of had this facade that like, we're going to compete all while they're tearing the team down. Right. Which again, I think is okay. You know, when Anthopolis went for it, he went for it and they were, and they were a a, a guy in Kansas city reaching over the fence to go into the world series. So, and I, and I really believe that way. Yep. So I really feel that way. So, so I believe that this, this lineup, and this roster is fun. Now, the problems are they're playing in Buffalo. They're not at home. 60-game season. How are the young guys going to react to that? I'm with all that. Mm-hmm. Normally, I would have said that they were going to finish. I, I still think that they're going to finish third in the division. I think that if they get good years from um, – I think, to me, the biggest swing piece for them is Travis Shaw. If Travis Shaw can, get back, to, can get back to Boston numbers – and maybe his one good year in Milwaukee where he provides significant pop. I think he's a decent swing piece for them. I think guys like Grichuk and those guys, those guys are garbage. (laughs) Grichuk is garbage. But watching Bichette, Biggio, Guriel, and Guerrero, I like that four. 
I really do. And if Travis Shaw can give me some pop at five, all of a sudden, the top half of that lineup becomes scary. And the best part about it becomes diverse. That's great. Um, I'm glad that um, I'm glad Travis Shaw got into this podcast. I like That's Travis really- Shaw. Yeah, when he was good, he's not anymore. We don't know that. We'll see. I am normally, speaking of glasses, very blue shaded glasses when it comes to the Blue Jays, right? They're the team of my youth. They're, I love them. That I bleed blue with the Leafs and with the Jays, right? This is, and I've watched a lot of bad Jays teams. They do something so unique. They have two of the most likable athletes I've ever seen in Toronto, in Bichette and Guerrero, and yet are one of the least likable teams I've ever seen. There are so many people on this team where I'm like, oh my God, they are not good enough here. So quickly, um, Bichette. There are a lot of people in this league. So let's step up Bichette for a minute. There's a lot of people, if you read, I read a lot about predictions and you know everyone has the jays is like the feisty cute team that that could do stuff the the only way that this team can do stuff and this is before the amendment which we didn't mention yet there was an amendment it went from a 10 team playoff to a 16 team playoff so now eight teams from each side get into the playoffs and before that happened there were people picking these guys to be in the wild card that's crazy to me that's crazy like they early there's they need everything if everything goes right, and they're a wild card team. If everything goes right, if- I, I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you view this team with that group of starters because you know Shoemaker's getting hurt. I think he's awesome, but you know he's too. getting hurt. Yep. Um, the relievers stink, with the exception yep. of Giles, who's currently blowing and, a save right now. And sorry, and half their lineup is bad. So I don't know how you look at that group, and it's not like they're deep. Okay, I don't know how you look at that group and think. They're anything better than 500. No, especially unless unless Vlad turns into David Ortiz 2.0, which isn't out of the question right away, then I I, I just don't see it. And and even then, even then, it's not possible. I I don't see it. I don't see it. They they need, that's why I'm saying Travis Shaw is a big swing piece for them because Mm -hmm. in 60 games, if you can find a way to get 40 RBIs, 45 RBIs, different story. So, yeah, pitching is going to be the big one. So, their rotation consists of Ryu. I like Ryu. I do too. Ryu, Shoemaker, Chase Anderson, when he comes back, he is currently hurt. Uh, Tanner Roark would be their fourth. And then their fifth starter is going to be Nate Pearson. He was sent down for obvious reasons. That's a great storyline. They gain a year of control because of that. Everyone's heard that story. We're not going to build on it. They have some depth, definitely not in the outfield. And Randall Gritchick left hurt today uh, with a lower back tweak. So that's that's going to be addition by subtraction. Well, if they had someone like just Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Derek Fisher, and Anthony Alford in the outfield make you feel any better? Like at Alford least Grichuk, but he can't hit. At least Grichuk is like, at least he's a replacement level player. Like those guys just aren't. So, so when my you're prediction, two, you're down eight two because everyone likes. And, I, and I'm going to say this you right know now. I'm the biggest and, proponent and, of this. No, hang on, you and, know and you're 100% right. So this is another this is another small segment to hear me out. All of you Jays people out there that want to talk about Randall Grichuk. Oh, he hits 30 home runs. Oh. He hits all those home runs when it doesn't matter. Absolutely. So if the team is down 8-2 or the team's winning 8-2, that's when he's going to hit a home run, when it doesn't matter. Exactly. And Randall Grichuk hits one 450 feet into left field to oh, cut the Jays' deficit is. to 8-1. Like, no, I'm with you. So um, Trash. I, so I love the Blue Jays. Their pitching is a question mark. They like I like Jordan Romano out of the pen. I love Ken Giles, even though he just you know he's currently blowing a save. And someone named Moran, who I've never heard of, is currently trying to uh, hold a one uh, one run lead. There's the just last so thing, many guys. The last thing like, I so hold say. I would say just so I can finish, and then we're going to move on to your team. I have them finishing fourth. I have them finishing fourth in the division. I, but with that, now with that, I had them. And I'll tell you why in. once we get to Boston. I had them coming in as fourth. But your team just lost a series to the Baltimore or Baltimore Orioles. So <laughs> I don't know if that game's over yet. But yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. Yeah, uh, no, they're down seven four. So here's here, the one last thing I'll say about the Jays. Yep, this lineup of young players is fun as hell. The Ryu signing is good. They're trending. I think the Shaw signing is is good. I think the Randall Gritchard signing is a disaster. But I will say this about your Pyron Atkins. If they would have come in and said to Jays fans. Guys, 
we had a great three-year stretch. Anthopolis, are, we got to give them a ton of credit. We went for it. We almost got it. We are at the point with this roster and the age of this roster, we need to transition. It's going to be painful, but I promise you, we're going to, get, we're going to make it back. If they would have said that, Toronto sports fans and, and, and fans in general, you got to give more credit. They're not stupid. They would have been like, I understand that. They would have been sad, but they would have understood it. Instead, no, they held they on too long. Up, yeah. yeah, they put up this bullshit facade about how they're going to compete. They it's literally just waited until the last minute to trade Josh Donaldson. So, and it, and, and they got, and right. So, speaking of transitions, let's transition to your team, correct? Boston Red Sox. I'm going to give you the floor to speak about the offseason and where you see them coming. I, I know you don't want to talk about the offseason, but let's look at this lineup. We watched a game together. Let's look at this lineup and tell me where they're going to finish this year. So the one thing I'll say is the Mookie Betts trade, and if you want to really talk about hear me out, the Mookie Betts trade may be one of the single worst trades I've seen in professional sports. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding you. And that's not me as a Red Sox fan. It was, it was horrible. The Red Sox got a guy back in that trade. And by the way, they traded the MVP from two years ago, who's 27, and got back a guy who had like a broken back. Verdugo. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Now okay? their lineup is still good. They can now. Like, here's the really thing. Really good. Here's the thing. They can. The hit. Red Sox can hit. Yes. They can't do anything else. They yeah. can't hit. You're and, right. and honestly, I think the Mookie Betts thing would have been fine. But as soon as Cora was let go, it was a wrap. And and if the if I have a significant feeling this is going to go poorly, and before that August thirty first deadline, they're shopping. JD, they're this, shopping. They're shopping. I think, know, yeah, I think they have to. I they have to. I think that's happening because who's, who's that's pitching a scenario. for you? There is a scenario. There's a real scenario where the Red Sox finish last in this division. Who's pitching for you? I know the answer. Tell the people. I don't want to. Your opening, your opening day starter. He pitched well. Was Ivaldi? Nathan Ivaldi. I like Ivaldi. Ivaldi is just fine. Your new signing, Martin Perez, got lit yesterday. Ryan Triple A pitcher Ryan Weber got lit up today. Brian Johnson, soft throwing lefty, is going again uh, and is their fourth. And newly acquired Zach Godley. So I want to do something quickly with you, Ian, because I think it's for especially for this team, it's important. In the offseason, you guys brought in Martin Perez, Kevin Pilar, Jose Peraza, Colin McHugh, who's who's opted out, Alex Verdugo, and Zach Godley, and re-signed Mitch Moreland. Just on the surface, it's actually not terrible. Like, there's some good pieces in there. Tell um, me about the losses. Oh, I'm going to tell you. The losses. Mookie Betts, David Price, Rick Porcello, Brock Holt, Eduardo Nunez, Steve Pierce, who retired. Pause, pause, pause there. All of those players paid, played key and pivotal roles in when we won the title. Yep. Uh, especially Pierce. Including the uh, World Series freaking MVP. No, David Price in his own right was phenomenal. Oh, of course. Of course, Hector Velasquez, Julius Chasen, Chasen and the uh, the wild Stephen Wright. It's just yeah. like you just look at the the additions and and you think, okay, great. And you know what? We haven't even got to the worst part yet. The worst. There's two things that are worse than everything you other, just said. Chris, other Sale, than Chris Sale dying is I have to watch Kevin Pilar now. <laughs> he was good last year. Who's maybe the worst hitter I've ever seen? <laughs> it's wild and. You, we haven't even got to our relievers yet. Our, no. Somehow our closer's still Brazer. No, it's not. It's Brandon Workman. Even worse. Worse. <laughs> even worse. What is that? What is that? I tried oh, to do key reserves, and I only got three names, and I think three was generous. Like, Brandon Workman, Matt Barnes, and Heath Hembry. Like, those are the three names. It's, it's, it's awful. And I, and I really believe, I really believe, if this is the type of team they're going to put on the field – then they're Ben and Tandy Devers Bogarts are the only guys that you can't touch. Everyone else will be up. I love dude. Honestly, I, I know we, we chirp. I actually love this lineup. Ben and Tandy Devers Bogarts, Martinez, Moreland, Chavis, who I really like Jackie Bradley Jr. Love I Jackie know he Bradley. can't hit, but he's great in the field. Uh, Christian Velasquez and Kevin Pilar, who had, I think 20 and 80 last year. Like that is your ninth hitter, even though he swings at fastballs at his ears. And he was, you know, I just, 
I like it. So I, hey, I came in. Get the opportunity to replace Mookie Betts with Kevin Pillar. You, you just have, have to do it. Right. I have them penciled in. I had them penciled in as third coming into this podcast. I think it's a toss up in the air between them and the Jays. Where do you have They're them? fourth. They're fourth. And there's a distinct possibility it's fifth. If they continue to play like they, they you know, they, you know what they're playing like? They're playing like, they're playing like, like they know that their time is coming. They're playing like they just traded our best player for literally a guy with a broken back we're going nowhere that's how they're playing so a team that should be going somewhere and is currently playing my toronto blue jays the jays are up 4-2 going into the ninth giles blew the save it's tied 4-4 jansen just hit a double and the top of the 10th nobody out and he's been pinch run for so i'll keep everyone updated on that even though this is going to come out later but i am watching that so is the tampa bay race who are we talk about darlings to be to be surprises was the jays these guys are the darlings of the analytics and um, and analyst community to be special. And I just watched every, basically every pitch and every hit from their team uh, for the past three days. Small sample size, right? But this entire season is a small sample size. So the one glaring thing that was missing. First off, let me tell you their lineup. So they run out Brandon Lowe at second base. Yandy Diaz at third. Jin Man Choi, who... Today, amazing story. Guy's a left-handed hitter, had been messing around hitting right during summer camp, and they let him hit right as a switch hitter, which he's never done before, and he hit a home run right-handed today. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, Hunter Renfro, outfielder, who they traded Tommy Pham for. Uh, uh, Hoshitomo Sutsugo, who they brought in from Japan, who hit a home run as well. Willie Adamas, who's on his lap, who's... A prospect, but not a prospect anymore. He's got to prove something. Kevin Kiermeyer, outfielder. Uh, Manuel Margot, who we both really like. Mike Zanino. He was the guy the in the Kimbrel trade, I think. The big one for them, and I think what you, what people don't see on the podcast at home is that you kind of shrugged and did like, they're okay. But the one thing they're missing is actually their best player. Their best everyday player, which is Austin Meadows. And yeah. that's why, like, when we were pitching against them, I wasn't scared of any of their hitters. Like, no one came up. Austin Meadows scares you. Like, so, he's, he's a problem. Their pitching, though, is ridiculous. It's phenomenal. The one thing I will say, let's stick on their lineup for just a moment. Sure. When you get to the playoffs, and I know this because, and this is not a shot to any Jays fans or any fan of any other organization. I've been lucky. My team has gone deep into the playoffs a lot. Yep. A lot in the yep. last... 15, 20 years. Right. Okay. When you get there, you need timely hitting and good and good pitching. Okay. Yep. But you also want to strike fear in your opponent. So even though they were cheating, when we saw Houston scared and I and I got to and yep. I got to Springer Altuve Bregman, yep. I was I was pissing my pants in fear. When we got to New York, when I saw Stanton and Sanchez, or when I saw Stanton, scare you Stanton never scared me. But Judge and Sanchez did. LeMahieu did, right? And you got to hit a point sometimes where the other team fears you. If I am the other team, the the guys that are scaring me are Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. I'm I'm afraid to hit against them. I'm not afraid to see their lineup. So as long as my pitching is airtight, you have to think that. None, no one on the other side is going to scare you. Now, are they going to run the hell out of the bases and do all right. the technical stuff? Sure. Yeah, and you talk sure. about timely hitting and pitching. I think this team's built for that. And yes. I think part of it is because they're in Tampa. I think if this team was in New York or LA, you know, we, we would look at them differently. It's just because like they imagine be Imagine J.D. Martinez in the middle of this lineup. Oh, I, I understand. But I don't just, think they want that. Like, I, and, I, don't, I don't necessarily think they do either. Yeah. But it changes the way the lineup is looked at because yeah. – I think Yandy Diaz is is is, is just fine. fine. He's fine. I think he's fine. Uh, I think that you know I think Hunter Renfro's fine. But when you put those guys around JD Martinez, uh, JD Martinez Martinez type, okay. When you put those guys around that, it, it it ups the entirety of your roster. Well, and I think their striking fear is going to be walking out Charlie Morton, Tyler Glasnow, who's actually their second best pitcher, and Blake Snell because Blake Snell obviously got, was hurt last year. And he can't find awesome, the, he though. can't find the plate. His stuff is electric. And when he won the Cy Young two years ago, he was incredible. And I know because I drafted him as my top pitcher last year in our fantasy baseball pool, and he proceeded to die on the field. Um, I have them as the second best team in the division, without question. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even I'm not even sure it's remotely close. I don't it, think it is either. The top team is in its own tier. Tampa's in its own tier. Then it's the young up and coming and the Jays, and then it's dumpster fire poop emoji 
like garbage with Baltimore and Boston. You think that Boston's in that same that same category? You cannot win if you cannot pitch. They cannot pitch. You can't lose Chris Sale, Rick Porcello, Eduardo Nunez, David Price all in one offseason and expect to be able to pitch a lick. And they didn't address relief. All because right. John Henry, all because John Henry is worried about the freaking payroll. You're the Red Sox. What are you worried about payroll for? I have Tampa second. You have Tampa second. I agree with you on this. I don't think that anyone is in Baltimore's territory, uh, unless we're talking Tigers and Royals. But um, if Boston makes a trade to worsen their lineup now to get younger prospects that Dombrowski all traded away, which I don't blame them for, we won the title. Yep. If they do that, they are in dumpster fire territory and it's going to be up to ben and bogarts and i think their lineup's too good and it's just too good they're gonna they're gonna out hit enough to win i think they'll be hover around 500 because of that but yes their pitching is is absolutely terrible so we have two three four we've done let's go to the the team that i'm assuming we're not putting baltimore as the number one team because that would be absolutely ridiculous i didn't want to talk about baltimore that's about the number one team in the al east for us is going to be the new york yankees few Mm -hmm. things of note james paxton was on the DL. I believe he came and pitched yesterday and got just lit by the Nationals. Uh, Yesterday would be Saturday. So he's back. Um, Their lineup consists of a lot of names that we already know. LeMayhew, Judge, Torres, Stanton, Sanchez. They re-signed Brett Gardner. Gio Urshela has a job. I don't know how after watching him as a J, but he was great last year. Mike Talkman um, is currently slotted in to be their center fielder with Luke Voigt at first after they got rid of Greg Bird, who just can't play baseball anymore. With Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier, Domingo Herman. Unfortunately, Severino is lost for the year. They still have a great uh, relief core with Chapman at closer, Zach Britton, Tommy Canley, Adam Ottavino. And their rotation, Mr. Ian Stansfield, consists of Garrett Cole, the fresh new signing. Masahiro Tanaka, who thankfully is okay after getting hit in the head by Giancarlo Stanton, fast uh, comebacker. J.A. Happ, Jordan Montgomery, and Jonathan Loasiga. Talk to me about your arch nemesis, New York Yankees. Well, I, I think it's the best team. I think Houston's probably still the best team in the American League, even with all their cheating nonsense. Um, like in terms of roster construction, I mean. Yep. But I, I have a hard time looking at the Yankees and not seeing them win 40, 45 games. I, I just don't see it. I mean, they, they, they're they absolutely loaded. I mean, of their first six guys in their starting lineup, who are you scared of? Who who? Which one of those guys are you not afraid of? LeMahieu, petrified. Judge, petrified. Torres, ditto. Slim down Stanton is hitting bombs. I am like I, I don't know what to think. It, it, he is he is just, he is so it is, scary. It's so messy. And then you go. His and then swing you go, is so weird. It's oh. just, and then it goes five hundred feet. It's crazy. No, you like give him a toothpick. He's bombing it out there. Crazy. And then Sanchez and Gardner. Not to mention they have the best pitcher in the American League, and their and their bullpen's deep. I mean, this is the best team in the American League. They yep. they they they're the number one team in this division in a runaway, in a runaway. It, it, honestly, to all Yankee fans out there. If you don't win the title this year, you have to get rid of Boone. Because have that to. to me, that to me is the only that is the only spot on this entire in this entire organization <sighs> that, you know, other than the fact I mean, I'm not a Randy Levine fan. No, I meant it's a time. T- sorry, day. go ahead. I, I, the the go thing ahead. about Boone is that it's now or never. This team is loaded. It's still it's a tough year. It's still a tough year to to throw like the if you don't get it done. It's like such a weird year. Um I'm going to step on my story, my, like my favorite storyline a little bit here. And I'm going to bring one of mine into this. I think this format hurts the Yankees the most. I do. As good as a team as this is, they are forced the new to play. playoff the, format? The new playoff format? Or no, the, format the, the new schedule, the 60-game schedule where they only play against their, their counterparts within demographics for both um, AL East and NL East. I, I, think, I just think that's a big disservice to them. And also, you know, I think that it hurts the Dodgers too. It's just, 
they don't get rewarded with, with just taking four of four against the Tigers and the Royals, like like the AL Central will get. I get to play those guys ten times, like the Twins and, and the and the Indians. Whereas the Yankees have to play the Tampa Bay Rays ten times, the Toronto Blue Jays ten times for at least frisky. Yes, the and the Red Sox will always play them tough. I don't care who's pitching; everyone's getting True. up for that. And yes, you get to play the Orioles ten times, but you have the NL East, so now you're dealing with. The Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, the, the Nats, the, the Nats, like, and the Marlins, sure. But that is like the pitching that they have to face now is crazy. It's crazy. And I just, I know that everyone's in the same boat. Each bucket is in the same boat. I, I get it. It's just, I just felt that this team, I, like, there's so much, there's so little margin for error now. And it's just, it's going to be, I, I felt bad for them in, in this sense. Like, they did all this work, they did it right. You know, they, had all the best assets. They traded them for some guys. They then saved some money. They got Garrett Cole in. Like, it's so weird for me to say, like, I feel for the Yankees. No one should ever feel for the New York Yankees or their fans. But this just felt like this was a year that they could really build some stuff. And No, they could. this is the year it feels like they can win it. And the one thing I'll say about Cole, other than the fact that he is outstanding. Incredible. Is that they took him away from the other great team in the American league. And I think yes. that's the part that matters is that yep. not only are you adding maybe the best pitcher in the American league, but you're taking him away from your biggest rival. Well, and I biggest, think that sorry, yeah. your biggest competitor, not your biggest rival. Well, I think that's where Houston hurts is yes, they have Verlander and Granky, but they're, back end rotation isn't great those guys are really old anything happens they're in a serious mess their lineup is great um karma gods won't let them win they just can't they already got the gift from god where there's gonna be no fans in the stands just absolutely jeering them and giving it to them at every at every at bat they got that gift they're not winning so we're gonna get to our predictions on who's gonna win I just I love this Yankees team. You know, the, yeah, their bottom of the rotation, their bottom of the lineup leaves some to be desired. Luis Severino missing is a big piece. James Paxton, can he ever stay healthy? But the guys that are there, and I don't know about you, anytime Brett Gardner comes to the plate, you talk about being scared. For a guy who's like not great, that guy scares the crap out of me. Well, yeah, we we haven't even mentioned guys like you know Aaron Hicks. Um, you know, yeah, Hicks we haven't even touched. Haven't even touched on Lemayhu. Somehow making some somehow, or labor. Somehow they got him three years, twenty-seven million. I mean, like they they've just done a masterful job. Now the Stanton contract isn't great. Not great. Isn't great. Um, Tanaka comes up at the end of the year. Um, Chapman is all of a sudden thirty-two and you know really expensive. So you know. They're sort of coming up to it. And, you know, they're obviously still paying Ellsbury and all that other nonsense. But, you know, it, again, it's, it's, it, it's now. They have to get it now within nice. the next two years. Because, because if Tanaka's gone and Tanaka is, you know, 31, he's got one more contract left in him, yep. are, are they paying that? Are they paying that bill? I don't know. After signing Garrett Cole, I don't know. I don't know. And, and Garrett Cole's at $36 million a year till 2028. I sent you a bit of a cheat sheet on the AL East. Gave you lineups, rotations, key additions, key subtractions. Our final team in the division is Baltimore. Ian, would you like to read what I sent you under the Baltimore tab? And it's only says it's only one line. What does it say? The Baltimore Orioles suck. That's exactly it. They are fifth place. I'm not even going to discuss them. They're not a real baseball team. They're they're doing this on purpose. Good for them. Hope you get better. Screw Baltimore. But they did just beat the Red Sox. And Twice. by the way, Twice. <laughs> but for the record, the guy, and this is the last I'll say, and then we're moving on. The guy that the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts for went 0 for 4. So, hey, John Henry, you did it. Traded the second best player in baseball for a guy who went 0 for 4 against the freaking Orioles. Are there any big storylines of this year's baseball season that intrigue you, Ian? The main storyline that intrigues me is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. I, and this is not just because bets are there and all kidding aside, you know, I, I want the best for Mookie. I love, you know, I, do I, am I in love with his contract and paying him a, a guy, a, you know, a speed power and, you know, basically the, you know, this is the remix to Willie Mays. Do I love paying him 30 million or so when he's 35? No, of course I don't love that. Right. No, but at the end of the day, like when you're this team, you're not paying 
you live with the bad back half if it pays off in the first half. And this is the best Dodgers team that I've seen put together in a while. It is, it is shocking to me that they haven't won the title in the last three years. I mean, they are so good. The biggest storyline to me is can they break through? Can they break through? Is 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 it a cur- is Kurt does Kershaw lift the Kershaw curse? Does you know Mookie help get them over to the top? Do him and Bellinger form the best outfield duo in the league's history? Like there's so many, there are so many amazing storylines with them. And again, you talk about managers on short leashes. Yep. The leash is getting real tight with Dave Roberts in yep. Los Angeles. And this is a team that's, it feels like they've been to the World Series every year for as long as I can remember. The, the, the leash is getting tight because the team, the actual team, is magnificent. So uh, normally, we, we're going to do our World Series pick at the end of this. And, and, they did, and for the right, remember, they did get Mookie bets for free. I don't know if I've mentioned that. You have, along with David Price, a guy who really contributed during the World Series for you and personal favorite of mine when he was in Toronto. Love um, David Price. The Dodgers. Normally when these big deals happen, you look back even in, other, in any sport, everyone picks them to win. They're the best team on paper. Sports isn't played on paper. It's played on the field. And that's why I'm not going to pick the Dodgers to win the World Series, even though they're the clear favorite. They should be. They should win the World Series. Their pitching is ridiculous. They're hitting their lineup. And now with the Universal DH for the, for the National League, they can, they can really get creative with Jock Peterson. You know, they're bringing, I think uh, they're bringing Seeger back and, and getting him into the mix. And, you know, they can get really creative. And, and I'm excited to, to watch that. They're a team that, you know, the only, like, I don't really watch a lot about out-of-town baseball. I'll be honest with the fans here. I read a lot about out-of-town baseball, but I'm more so if I'm going to watch a sport um, late night that isn't my team, I normally will default to a good basketball game or a good hockey game. That's kind of just where I go with this. My biggest storyline is the 60, is the 60 games. So that means that 2.7 is the number that we're going to talk about, Ian. 2.7. So for every one game under this six-game, 60-game uh, season, it's like 2.7 other elsewhere. You sweep it. You sweep a season series, or you sorry, you sweep a series three uh, nothing. That's like winning eight games in a row. You have a six game winning streak. That's like almost an 18 game winning streak. This mm-hmm. is that's going to be the big one. Is that each game is so important? So are you gonna? There's going to be a lot shorter leashes on a lot of starting on, on a lot of starting. No, games. you have a bad week, and all of a sudden, like you're, you're out. out. You're gone. It's over. Yeah. And there's now, you know, before the, the rule change, there was like 17 teams as per fan graphs that had a chance to make the playoffs and be around that, to make that, um, that wild card position. 17. Now you had like six more teams. It's, it's even crazier. So that's going to be the big one is the push. And the road, the, the, yeah, the road gets tricky. There, there's going to be a no- lot. You're going to be a lot of, of, of teams that convince themselves they have a chance for that August 31st trade deadline. That shouldn't. That really shouldn't. And the goal is to win. The goal isn't to make it. But if you make it, you have a chance to win. That's what's so, important here. I'm going to add one. Okay. I'm going to add one to our preview. If you were to pick any team in each, in the NL and the American League, you got to pick one team in each division. What team do you see that is going to flop spectacularly and in turn make a stupid trade at the deadline? I, I think the, the biggest flop is going to be the Angels. I just don't think they have the pitching. And they made a massive splash in the offseason. Rendon. Right. But they, I just don't think they have the pitching. And I think that they are going to be forced to go all in. And I think that that's where you see it. Is a team like the Angels, who's maybe four games back, this, this extended playoffs. Uh, to me, I love the Angels. I want Mike, Mike Trout to make the playoffs. I think he's the best baseball player I've ever seen in my entire life. And so that's I, I want that to be the case but i just don't think they have the pitching to get it done okay what about the national league the biggest flop in the national league the the one that's going to flop spectacularly and you think could make do something silly when it comes to deadline time well my my pick was going to be the cardinals i didn't think they did enough in the offseason to, to to fix their roster losing ozuna and, and guys like that like I, and they were a team that, w- that won the division last year. Like they were, they had the pieces and their pitching is good. Um, they've doubled down on pitching and defense. And I think that they needed to do more to, to short their lineup. But if you're saying like, who's going to panic, you know, the Cardinals won't panic. So I'm no. not going to, I'm not going to pick them. I think the angels would panic. Um, to, to, so, me, to me, the national league though, that one's easy. 
I, I, it, my secondary guess, if you're talking about who's going to panic at the deadline, I think it would be the Padres. And, uh, Ooh, and I'm interested to see who one. you think. Yeah, because they've they've been in purgatory for so long. They have a good team. Um, they have a new they have a new coach or a new manager. I think that they would panic at the deadline and do something. Who do you think? I think in the National League, the team that's going to panic and do something stupid is Philly. And I think that Harper thing. Yeah, that's a good one. Is yeah. an absolute disaster. He's he's hitting bombs right now, though. That's great. That doesn't make the contract any less bad. So I, I think that one where they, they are all in and they are in all in mode, I, I'd worry about them. Uh, I think the Angels in the American League is the obvious answer. Uh, I, I, I they've just been poorly run for so long that I when I love Rendon. Rendon had an amazing playoff run because he went to the Angels. I'm convinced it's going to flop. I, I just. I'm not convinced they know what they're doing. And because they get all that crazy TV money and, you know, they're flush with cash, they're always throwing cash at guys and it just hasn't worked out. So I, the Angels would be my pick also on that side. But Philly to me is the team where it can go very wrong very quickly and they're going to make a trade. And I don't know how it's all going to work out. Yeah. And four teams in that division have a chance to win the division. So they're all going to be pretty tight. The Jays have just officially blown the save. This. I was watching it. I'm like, why is there a guy on second? And they haven't said the double. And it's because of the new rule for extra innings where they place a man on second base automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay scored one in the top of the 10th and the Jays, uh, the Roy, the Rays just scored two in the bottom. So, um, so that's, that's the storyline. That's the baseball season. So let's round this out with our predictions. Okay. And let's start with the division winners. Okay. So let's start in the, in the AL. Who is your AL East winner is the same as mine. We both have the Yankees, correct? Yeah, Yankees in a landslide. All right, AL Central. God, can it be a pass? Uh, I honestly, I honestly, um, I know that they're sort of a a pivot team. Like, I'm worried they're going to trade Lindor. Um, I think Cleveland is going to be in the running there. It's hard not to say Minnesota. The problem is it feels like last year they hit an absurd amount of home runs. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that translates, so I'm going to go Cleveland. Okay, I have Minnesota here. Okay. Uh, I have Minnesota here. Because I'm with you. I think that Cleveland could pivot. Uh, their pitching's good, but I don't know. That I, schedule's also going to be so easy. So easy. Uh, AL West. Houston. I yeah. think Houston's going to have an unreal year. Yep, me too. And I think, I think they're going to use this whole thing as fuel. And look, don't get me wrong. I hate them. Like, you know, I, I don't like to throw the hate word around when it comes to people that I don't know, obviously. But the people at the Houston Astros, I hope they lose every game. And I, I'll, I'll be rooting against them. Yeah, you know, you could – the A's are always competitive. They're, they have two incredible players in Chapman and, and Simeon. So, um, it, it, it's interesting. there, And they always somehow find pitching that they end up trading or releasing and they end up going to hell. Um, see Sonny Gray. Um, and – so for me, it's Houston as well. Let's move to the NL. What about the NL West? Well, I I, I know who it isn't. It isn't Miami. Um, I, I'm NL West, NL West, fella. Oh, NL West. NL West. Yeah, uh, it's Dodgers all day. Yeah, me Lyle. too. That's why I started there. Now, to me, the two most interesting divisions in in baseball, the NL East. Ian, let's start there. You mentioned the Marlins. They're obviously not the one. Who's your? I, pick? I'm not convinced. If I can make a prediction, I'm not convinced that the Marlins finish the season. I, I, I'm convinced that because of the non-bubble rules of the MLB, the team in Florida, Miami's really going to struggle. And we saw today, apparently, it looked like there were four guys that got, yep. got tested positive. Yep. I'm just not convinced. And they suck. I'm not convinced that that team finishes the season. Uh, I want I want to say Atlanta. Um, I really like Atlanta. I, you know what? I am going Atlanta. I, I think Washington will be in the ballpark. I think the Mets stink. But I think it, I think it's Atlanta. Uh you know, it's funny. I, I want it to be Atlanta. So it's Atlanta for me. I, I think that the nationals have a better team because they're just built. They're, they're built to win and, and they've won. And Soto is so good. Yeah, exactly. But Scherzer. I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going with Atlanta. I'm going with Atlanta as well. And the NL central, the one that gave me the most trouble. Who's your pick? Um, honestly, it's Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. Love Cincinnati. Love love Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I I think they have been built the right way. I think that the rebuild, they, they took their time. They were methodical. Uh, They went out and, and got guys sort of inexpensive 
but that could thrive in their system and in their ballpark. Nick Castellanos um, is going to love playing there. I am a big, big Reds believer. I got the Reds in this division. So I went with St. Louis, even though all the things that I dogged you about, um, they just normally do this. So I'm going to go with so them. I, the, the Reds, to me, if they win, I would not be surprised. I, want, I actually want them to because I like when teams who don't normally have success get that. But they're the Reds, and they don't normally have success. So, and basically, you know, 55% of the league is going to make the playoffs anyways. So, but when you talk about, when you talk about, when you talk about guys in additions, Bauer, Gray, um, you know, you mentioned Castellanos, like Moustakis, like Wade Miley. Like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. those are just good players. Very good. Good players. Yep, and had good years. So, a quick recap. We both have the, the Yankees. You have the Indians. I have the Twins. We both have Houston. We both may have not the, be may not be the Indians for long. We do, we both have the Dodgers. We both have Atlanta. I went St. Louis. You went the Reds. Ian, who is your AL MVP? I, I feel like it's a boring answer. Like, can we? Is it not allowed to be Mike Trout? Because how it's anyone but Mike Trout, I don't understand. If if we are barred from picking Mike Trout, because honestly, he should win every every MVP ever. Uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. Okay, I went Mike Trout. <laughs> Easiest okay. answer going. NL MVP, more interesting. Uh, Mookie Betts. He was the easy pick. I went Juan Soto. Now, I, I made this three days ago. He has tested positive for COVID, hasn't tested positive for COVID, took a weird test that was expedited but isn't technically allowed by the rules and, and health and safety protocols of Major League Baseball. I don't know what the heck's going on there, but I have Juan Soto as my NL MVP. Question. Sure. In the American League, Yes. If Jose Altuve bats 400. No, he cannot hits, win. No. So I, that's what I'm asking. He can't if he win. Has, if he I has don't 60, care. No. 65 RBIs and 20 home runs, do you think, and steals 30 or 40 no. bases or whatever the hell he does, is, is he, is, do you think that there's ever a that chance? That guy would have to hit 600 and literally lead every statistical category in, in offense. Because, and even if he is the clear favorite, he would need to be like this super clear favorite. Um, to win, in my opinion, I just don't think I just don't think they're going to get the love. So Cy Young, I went a bit chalk here. I'm going to say mine first. My AL Cy Young winner. I'm going with Garrett Cole. That was that was mine. That was mine also. Um, it's it, I, I think he's the best pitcher in the American League. And, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, like. That's sort of what it comes down to when you're guessing this stuff. I mean, yep. you know, guys that are in, I think if I had a dark horse, Shane Bieber would be up there. Agreed. Uh, maybe Lucas Giolito. Hilarious. Giolito so good. It's, it's funny there. that you said that because it's Garrett Cole is my pick. Bieber was going to be, I have a sleeper for both and he was going to be mine. Um, National League, I have, so I have Walker Bueller here as my National League MVP or uh, Cy Young. He is there. But I really wanted to go Mike Soroka. That guy is so good. Um, I'm going to go Bueller because I think that he will win it. If Soroka won, I want it on the record here that I I thought was thinking of him. Dark horse in the National League is going to be Trevor Bauer. Um, I think it's hard not to go Scherzer. I just think he's just freaking awesome, and he's so damn consistent. Uh, you know, DeGrom will be up there. Well, it's there. basically Scherzer and DeGrom have won this award for the last, like, five years. So. Right. Um, but I'm going to go Bueller, too. I think we're going to see – I think we're going to see a Dodgers sweep of these awards because I just think they're leaps and bounds better than everyone else. And people love them. Finally. And maybe, maybe it's just that simple, right? Like, maybe it's just simple enough to be like, you are the best team with the best players. Maybe so here you, you go. all the awards. So who to, – to sign off the podcast, Ian, who is your World Series champion? Dodgers. I wanted to obviously Dodgers is, is the easy one here. Um, I'm gonna but, go, with, but sometimes it's just simple. They're better than everyone else. How do you? I'm sorry if I have to guess on what the odds are and what I would guess. I would guess on who the best team is. I don't need to get cute. I'm gonna pick the Yankees. I'm gonna pick the. Yankees. I think it's gonna be Dodgers Yankees final. So that's that's it for baseball. To everyone listening, this is gonna be a busy week for my brother and I because there's basketball that's coming back there's hockey that's coming back there's going to be a bit of a we're not going to be the podcast that comes on here after every leaf game after every raptor game and you know gives you a rundown of everything that happened right we're going to try and schedule these podcasts to be twice a week we're going to mix in some guests there's going to be you know we're going to kind of do a week in review when it comes to the toronto sports uh the toronto sports landscape 
but it's not going to be post everything. There will be some emergency podcasts where if something wild happens. We'll come on for 20 minutes, give our input, give our insight. But there will be two more podcasts coming this week. One geared around basketball, one geared around hockey. If time is permitting, we'll be able to mesh them into one longer podcast. But my guess is it will be two different podcasts coming out this week. This was Baseball is Back. Ian, sign us off. Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm very excited that everything's coming back. I, I'm so psyched to talk hoops. I, I want to go through our awards, our All-NBA teams. I just think it was a fascinating year before, obviously, everything got shut down. Um, I love what's happening in Orlando. I love how well the NBA is doing. I love how it looks on TV. It's just a polar opposite of how, how things are going. I, I just think that league is remarkable. I'm so excited to talk about it. And... I love you guys. I appreciate uh, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys allowing me to struggle through a baseball podcast because, as you know, me being a Red Sox fan, I, I'm just not that happy right now. But uh, I love you guys, and w- we look forward to talking to you this week. And remember, wear your mask. At least your team didn't blow a save during the podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you again later this week.